You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener. You're listening to episode 55 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Joining you, as always, is me, Gandalf, Matt, and of course, Nathan Van Horn. And before we get started, let me take care of a couple things. First, and you know what's coming, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you like and subscribe, depending on whatever platform you're listening to. That way you get a notification every Tuesday morning, and you're helping us tell the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. Help spread the word farther. And the second thing I've got to say is... Uh, how much the daily or the weekly recording of the podcast has become the highlight of my week. Every Thursday we, we record another one of these. And I just enjoy spending time with these two every week, uh, especially when we talk about some really cool things that uh, perhaps uh, you listener like me have not heard much. Because last week, if you remember, we talked about the divine council. Mm. Right. We talked about the, <laughs> the Godfather and how we got to whack a guy and make it look like an accident. And so I, I hope we have more of that in the future. I hope the Divine Council shows up more because that's a very interesting, interesting topic to me. <laughs> it's it's interesting. The first time I talked about this with a buddy of mine, he was like, at first, he's like, dude, this is this is deep. And then after he listened to it for a few more minutes, he said, I take it back. This is not deep. This is just weird. <laughs> was was I that buddy? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I was kidding. That, that, that's was how kidding. he felt, though. Speaking of housekeeping matters, I have to correct something I said last week. I feel like that's the Where's Waldo of our show. Uh, what was the small bit that I got wrong in the previous episode? I was listening to last week's episode, and a friend reached out, and he said, Van Horn, I cannot believe you bumbled the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, I think I said in the episode, Westminster Confession of Faith, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I was what I was actually referring to was the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and I stated it backwards. Uh, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Uh, but uh, to me, that segues to what we're trying to talk about, um, because that's not just the chief end of man. We're saying that's the chief end of all creation, both the earthly component of creation and the heavenly component of creation. Uh, The interesting thing is that there are beings, heavenly beings, spiritual beings, that have that volitional component just as people do on earth. Uh, And we've referred to them variously as the sons of God, the heavenly host, the divine council. There's a few other monikers we could use, uh, but those small windows that we get into them in scripture are significant for the story of the Bible. Nathan, can I just say, I I appreciate your willingness to correct things like that, because I guarantee you 99.99% of our audience would never know whether it was the Westminster Confession of Faith or something else. Well, so number one, my friend who called me out, was in the point one percent because he definitely got it. Um, you know well, who you are, listener. Um, 
We noticed it last week, actually, but I, I didn't I didn't catch the whole catechism part, but I caught the yeah the I, actual I, statement. Matt, Matt is so still, uh, Matt's mother describes him as having a merciful heart. So, like, if you listen, you can hear Matt correct. Uh, and I, Matt, I know you know that I know that. I just uh, I was focused on the point that I was going to, rather than the point I was speaking from. So I spoke too quickly. Well, to to your critics, your friendly critics, uh, the use of English language every time you say and. Both it doesn't matter the order, it it works both ways. So we're good. So uh, are we talking about more supernatural stuff? Because I I hope so. Yeah, we are. It's my favorite. Yeah. The, so if last week was Godfather, this is the Godfather Part Two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, good. Which mean which means it's going to be just as good as uh, the the last episode. But if we do it again and make Godfather Part Three, that third episode, it's, it's not going to be as hot. It'll be diminished. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, Ahab died last week. Frito dies this week, right? No, so. and to, to our point last week, one of our points last week is it trips up people to think about God uh, working through, uh, you know, in, in your language last week, farming out heavenly duties to spiritual beings, right? But the the neat thing for me that we didn't talk about in the recording is in 1 Kings 22, even after Ahab has been told by Micaiah, here's what I actually saw in the throne room of heaven. And even after God goes with the, oh, hey, I'm going to put a, uh, I'm going to let this guy put a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's prophets. Ahab still does the wrong thing and meets the end that God said was coming to him. Right. right. So uh, act, he, he, acting of his own volition with knowledge of God, what God said would come to pass came to pass. <laughs> he, he, termi- he terminated himself, right? He, the uh, judgment day still happened. And, and, and yeah, to, that, oh, oh my gosh, terminator. It's an infinite <laughs> loop, right? Um, right. The thing, the thing that they do to prevent it from starting starts it in a, in a different uh, way, and, and there's just, it perpetually, um, yeah. The uh, but I mean but uh, Matt, we were talking before recording, and this is this is not uh, again. These passages are not just everywhere, uh, but we do have we do see this occurring in several places. Yeah, but hey, before we get to that, I, I do want to point out just something because I, I, we've talked about this quite a bit over the past couple of years, especially Gandalf and I, because we live in close proximity. And Nathan, you and I have talked about this at least for a year and a half. On, on this topic and stuff like that. But just thinking about our listeners that um, perhaps are just now getting into this subject, they've never heard it talked about in church, the whole divine council. And when you hear us talk about it, it sounds like, oh gosh, uh, Psalm 82, in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Like, is, is this some kind of pantheon? This sounds like Greek mythology. Um, I just want to reestablish just a few things from 1 Kings 22 before we go forward to the next place, is the Bible does not teach polytheism. And in fact, uh, one of the uh, more liberal critiques of the scripture in, in a bygone generation has been that you can see the residual the residual remains of polytheism in early um, Semitic religions that are still residually left in the text. And it's not until later that they coalesce around monotheism. Well, I think the better explanation now is, no, it was never polytheism. It's it's, uh, mistakenly not understanding the nature 
of created divine beings and their role in interacting with humanity. Just because a being is divine does not mean it's capital D divine. It does not make a divine being is not necessarily ontologically the same as capital G O D as 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 God of of the creator of all all things. So polytheism is this whole idea that there are tons of gods out there, and that that's just not true. Even though the Bible talks about lowercase g gods, they are all ontologically different than God. They're all created beings. They're not the same. Also, there's another thing called henotheism, and this is seen in Hinduism. And there are some that might say, oh, well, what you're suggesting is henotheism. There's like a there's like a chief god and then all these other gods that are lesser than the chief god. But it's not henotheism either, either because in henotheism, the chief god can be overthrown, and then another god becomes the chief god. So that or is not- a lot of times in henotheism, uh, a god's domain is geographically bound. Yeah. And yeah. and the Bible actively pushes against that. I think of Ezekiel 1 when Ezekiel has the vision of the throne of God, but it's on got wheels. wheels on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go in whichever direction the Spirit of God tells it to go. Um, but we, we talked about beforehand King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. So last week we talked about this, the heavenly staff meeting. So to speak, that we, mm-hmm. we looked and at that's not Kings a round 22. table. <laughs> that is not a round table. And just to to re- re- revisit that really quick, um, in First Kings chapter twenty two, verse nineteen, it says, "And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on His throne, and all the host of heaven standing beside Him on His right hand and on His left. And the Lord said, Who will?" entice Ahab that he may go and fall at Ramoth Gilead. So it's extremely clear. It's an entourage, this is not, but not, this is not a company of equals. Oh, oh man, that's mm. good. And, um, um, I quote, I quote famous philosopher Kendrick Lamar, uh, big dog status. It ain't no secret. <laughs> so if that was so, going to come from someone on this podcast, it was going to be you. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't listen to Kendrick Lamar. Uh, so, <laughs> so in, in talking about this, we don't want you to be alarmed. We're, we're not saying that there are multiple gods like God out there. We don't believe that's what the Bible is teaching. But there are spiritual beings out there. In fact, spiritual beings that have interacted with humanity. We'll come to that in later episodes. And, uh, and also, go ahead. Yeah, to your point, uh, there are two things in particular in the Bible that are reserved for capital G singular God. One is he's the only one in Scripture who creates Yes. He's the only creator God, period. Mm. And the second thing that really distinguishes God is covenant. He is the God that if he speaks it, it's going down that way. (laughs) Even Paul reflecting on Abraham's faith, he believed that what God promised he was able to do. That's, that's, and, and if you look at so many passages both on the distinction, and this is throughout the Bible. There's so many passages this will come up in, some of which we've already discussed. When they're focusing on what distinguishes God um, from the lowercase you know, Elohim of the nations, it will keep coming back to this is the only God who creates, and this is the God whose covenants are sure. They will not fail. Yeah, so it's interesting that you say that. Um, it, there's a... A preacher of yesteryear, I, I obviously was not alive during his time, but I attended the church as a member 
Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee that he pastored. His name was uh, Robert G. Lee, not not the Civil War Robert Lee, but Robert G. Lee, the preacher. R. G. Lee. R. G. Lee. He's the payday someday preacher. Yeah, payday someday preacher. And one of the things that he says is this. He says that the devil pays, but he he pays in counterfeit bills. And it's it's kind of like you're talking about, because when you were saying that the God who's able to deliver on his covenants. So the devil promised, or the serpent promised Eve something more. And she got what the devil offered, but it was counterfeit. It, it wasn't what he was selling in its fullness. It, there was a trick to it. Yet the monkey's see, paw. That's right. Exactly. The monkey's paw. But we see Jesus who is offered by the devil all the kingdoms of this world, if you only bow down and worship me. And he's just like, man, look, <laughs> you can't deliver on that. Because not that it wasn't the devil's to give. We'll get get into that years from now when we get to the New Testament. But Slash um, our grandchildren will get into that. <laughs> that's right. And we that's hope right. that your grandchildren will like and subscribe to the Better Buckets Than Fiction <laughs> Bible podcast. That's right. But it's that, that that's such a great point, Nathan, that nobody can deliver like God can deliver. Uh, because only God is a God who is the ultimate covenant-keeping God. Uh, it, it, it's the His well, covenants require one signature. <laughs> and yeah. the only uh, is the only signature that matters. Everybody what? else and is by the way, and you, that's, that's, that's the bound with an oath language that Hebrews picks up on. Mm. Uh, yes. There's there's no God can't swear by any other party, <laughs> right? Uh, because because his, his he's the greatest party. Absolutely. Um, but um, it, it goes to it goes to to serve even further exploration that that means. Also, God is not causing necessarily, but he is allowing, uh, thinking about the book of Job here, he's allowing, he's signing off on other spiritual beings, allowing them to do things that are not his direct stuff, but rather more indirectly. He he is allowing it, but he still... has his purposes that are going to be accomplished. Yeah, and and I don't want to put words in your mouth, uh, and I don't even know that I would... I I can't remember where I read this, but some distinguish between the permissive and the perfect will of God. Yeah, that's good. Uh, How God utilizes what he permits within what he is ultimately purposing Mm -hmm. uh, in such a degree that allows agency but also culpability for moral agents, whether they're spiritual beings who either serve his purposes or go against them or earthly creatures such as ourselves. Correct. Yeah, that's a good word. So are you thir- are you thoroughly on board with all this Gandalf? Is that making sense? Oh, oh I'm on board. I'm I'm ready to go. I although I do have a question because we're saying that it's, you know, we're saying that the Bible is not teaching polytheism and that seems clear. And so I would assume because we're getting that from the Bible that that was the belief of the people who would have been reading this, like the the Israelites fleeing from Egypt as we're talking about, you know, living the Exodus, that they would be under the impression that these other gods of the Egyptians were not, you know, big G gods, right? Well, th- this is part of what the constant struggle is. Again, going to the Psalm 82 passage when uh the you know, where the the other Elohim are being judged by God for not stewarding the nations well. Um, one thing that McDermott and I think Heiser also suggest is um, part of their fault resided in setting themselves up precisely as gods. 
or masquerading as masquerading. Gods. That's the language. Masquerading mm-hmm. as gods, and and to to a point, Matt returns to often is if if you miss if you miss God as God, you necessarily will miss people and relating to people as the image of God. In, mm-hmm. other, in other words, if 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 the if the theology on God is wrong, uh, the 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 theopraxy toward people is going to be, and that's what you see. Egyptians, hey, let's take people made in the image of God and enslave them. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 also it's it's interesting comparing the God of the Bible to the gods of the nations. Uh, one of the the many things that you see in the pagan religions of the past is human sacrifice. I mean, you can actually we can read about it in Second Kings. It comes up here and just. You right after this well, this chapter. is what we're we were talking about this before we recorded with Solomon, right? Solomon is the outworking of Israel saying in First Samuel eight, we want a king like the nations. So then you have Saul who does not work out well, David who's the king after his own heart but has some you know blemishes on his reign, and then Solomon. The first thing Solomon does as king, First Kings three one, is makes a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, by marrying Pharaoh's daughter, and then he brings in seven hundred foreign wives and three hundred concubines, and for all of his wives he builds altars and shrines to their gods. Right, mm. and and some That's of these not very wise. Some of these go on to be the places where. Children are sacrificed. Solomon, you know, God brings Israel out of Egypt, and Solomon through through this. It's it's not through a hey we should sacrifice children. It's hey we should make a good marriage alliance, and that results in uh, a distortion in theology that ultimately results in child sacrifice. They they miss the theology, and so they miss relating to people in the image of God. That's very interesting that all these other religions, because I'm now that I'm going through them in my head, lots of them do feature human sacrifice and we have a sacrifice story but it's but, but it's, it's very different human. it's one human yeah. it's one human kind of well and that's yeah. that's well, yeah, no, so, no 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 well, well, let's what, correct that I, I know what you mean not kind of human but he he was fully god human and fully man. god fully yeah. human fully god um and he didn't stay dead Yes. It, uh, to your to your point before we recorded, this is on the internet. You can't give anyone the benefit. Uh, you can't give anyone yes, uh, the hope exactly. that they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt for what we meant to say. <laughs> right. Right. So if you're sitting here and you're listening to all this, you're having we're having this discussion, and it's still like, okay, First Kings twenty two. That seems really isolated. Is is there not more out there? Well, there there is more, and we're going to look at more today. We're not going to look at all of it today, but to be fair, this is not on every page of the Bible. And to go back to what I think I said or Nathan said a few episodes ago, the reason is, is why do we not read more about these powers of darkness, principalities and powers, and all these other sons of God? The reason we don't read more about it is because this is not their story. Yeah. This well, is and, not their story. And this is, this is the story for the people who are living in the midst of that. This mm-hmm. is their way of distinguishing the way the world is from the way the world seems. Yes. Um, so, so speaking there, of which, speaking the, of which, that's an excellent segue to talking about Daniel 4. There we go, Nathan. Yes. I, knew, I knew it. There it is. There it is. Because many, that's God's people no longer in the land. And so yes. what does it look like? You know, they didn't serve God faithfully in the land. So how in the world, if you're Daniel, do you maintain uh, this robust monotheism? How do you maintain fidelity to your God outside of the land when everything is working against you? Q Daniel 4, 
It's another vision of the heavenly council, and it's not a vision that's had by a Jew. Uh, it's a vision that's had by Nebuchadnezzar. We read about several of his visions. Who used who used son of a god language just right. one chapter before this. Correct. So in Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 17 or 13, actually, Daniel is having a, a conversation with Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar is saying what he saw in his dream. So listen to the language carefully here. Are you? Bait- I, I always say y'all are baiting me to sing, so you can you know use it against me. I feel like you're trying to bait me into singing. I dreamed a dream from the <laughs> Les Nathan, I can soundtrack. Honestly, I can, I can uh, honestly say I wasn't even thinking about it. I wasn't either. So that just means that I, l- you I love were you both, but you, y'all literally <laughs> never have the benefit of the doubt with me on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to sing so bad he lays traps for himself. All right, so <laughs> so that is brutal. That is brutal, <laughs> dude. I think you're a great singer. Sing away, bro. No. All right, uh, so all right, <laughs> Daniel chapter four, verse thirteen. I'm still thinking I, about Isaiah six from last week. By the way, <laughs> I know it is, it's a huge point. Profound. All Go right. ahead. I saw this is Nebuchadnezzar, by the way. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher. A holy one. Okay. Came down from heaven. It's interesting that those are paired together. Nathan, you pointed this out beforehand. A watcher, a holy one. Like two two descriptions. A watcher, a holy one. And uh, you Came, mentioned how a few other translations handle that. Uh, yeah, a messenger, uh, an angel. Um, uh, but uh, it, it, it is here, watcher, uh, from, from the Aramaic. Okay, so he proclaimed aloud... And said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. You catching that creation imagery, Gandalf? Mm. Mm. Birds in the sky, beasts in the field and and a very important tree in the midst of all that. Okay. Yeah. Just just Mm. just checking. That's good. Mm hmm. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. Now, here's verse 17. Here's where I want to catch you, catch you with. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. Okay. And, and Nebuchadnezzar would, will do exactly what Ahab did. He will, he will enact his own prophecy. Yes, even though <laughs> Daniel encourages him not to do this. So th- Daniel interprets the vision and says, hey, this, this vision is about you, O king. It's about your pride. And basically, if you don't you know, turn from your sins, that you know, you, your prosperity might be extended. Uh, if you don't turn from your sins by doing what's right, you're going to suffer this seven-year 
you know, time of losing your mind. And it, it, it happens exactly that. He, he, he makes the giant chocolate bunny. <laughs> oh yeah. The veggie tales re- reference there. Oh man, uh, that's the, been a while. The, the, the bunny, the bunny, but I love the what, there it is. You baited me to sing. I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was is. coming. Shame on you both. Yes. No. <laughs> but this here is said to be made. This decision is by the watchers. This yeah, decision. It doesn't, it, it doesn't say that God made the decision. It says that the watchers. The watchers well, working in the service of the Most High. Now, what's interesting. To the is, end that the living may know that the Most High rules. Now, what's interesting is when Daniel talks about the interpretation in verses 23 and 24, on down, it says, mm-hmm. and because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. That was a long verse 23. Verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the most high. Interesting. Mm. Daniel says, all right, this is a decree of the most high. But the dream said, this is a decree of the watchers. So which is it? Well, that's, da- Daniel's just simplifying it for Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't need to go into the watchers and all that. He's like, I know where this is coming from. I know who's at the top. Mm. So now that we have read and last week, 1 Kings 22, Gandalf, how would you tie these two stories together? How would you make sense of them? I would say it's an example of um, divine beings, the watchers, or divine counsel and the other one, making, I mean, God is letting them to car- carry out the job, basically. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, they both do the, ex- the same thing anyway, even though they're warned not to, and they have a chance to not do it, they end up doing the exact thing that they were going to do anyway. To use mm-hmm. Paul's language, that God may be just in his judgments. Yes, mm. and and also to show that God is so merciful. God doesn't just bring down the hammer, even though he can. He warns them. I'm thinking of the flood, 120 years here, and then one week That's later, right. uh, one week extension given after the all the animals are on the ark, and yet judgment still comes, nobody repents. Um, but it, it's so hard. Well, we clearly see, well, uh, maybe not, because it's to Nebuchadnezzar, it's being made as clear as, you know, as glass, and he right. still does the thing anyway. But what we see here is this is not the the Knights of the Round Table. This Ooh. is a decree from the Watchers. Here it's just working in tandem. These beings are carrying out the will of God, and their will is an extension of God's will. So just because God is choosing to work through the Watchers, does not mean the watchers are in charge. It means God's in charge, but he's working through the watchers. So it's just more evidence here of what we described last week, that this divine council, this group of spiritual beings work with God in the management of his creation. And it's interesting to me, and we've mentioned this in previous weeks, where all of this heads when you get to the New Testament. We're going to rule and reign with Christ. In fact, Romans 8 calls us... Who entrusts us with things to do. Yes, the sons of God. We are called the sons of God. So, I mean, how, how important is that, that the entire 
purposes and promises of God hinge on the activity of Jesus, but the Bible doesn't end with his resurrection. Mm. It, it, it ends with the open-ended entrusting because all authority has been given unto him on heaven and on earth, this, this entrusting with a task to the people of God. Uh, and, and back to your language in Romans 8, all creation groans with redemption, yeah. waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. But now that sons of God language is being applied to the church. The glorified saints. That's it. Mm. So Gandalf, is this, is this clear as mud, so to speak, talking about this stuff? I, it's, I don't think it's muddy at all. Join us it's... next time for the Godfather three. <laughs> but can, can I, can I, uh, can I uh, share a small observation? Sure. Please. We still haven't gotten to Job. Yeah. That's why <laughs> we're going to have to have Godfather part three. All right. But we're going to name it something else so that it's not. Yeah. Because it, it's know, not going to be of diminished quality. Doomed to failure. <laughs> Join us for our, with, with our uh, special guest, Sophia Ford Coppola. No, I'm just kidding. Kidding. <laughs> Well, wrong. well, well, listener, uh, just like the divine council, um, uh, we leave it to you to do a very important task, and that is to like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. Or at least please come so, back next week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the very least, come back next week. But, you know, you're going to earn some brownie points. If you're on Spotify, hitting like. If you're on iTunes, hitting subscribe. And whatever the positive interaction on whatever third-party platform you're listening to, if you could uh, make it be known that the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast is worthwhile and should be amplified by the algorithm, that'd be fantastic. And finally, if you're still listening, even on minute 30, all the way at the end, uh, please leave us a, a, a comment on our website, betterthanfictionbiopodcast.com. Past couple of weeks, we've seen an influx of people leaving us just wonderful, encouraging messages. We read every single one oh, of I them. Oh, I thought you were just going to say people leaving us. I was going to say, ouch. No, no, they're not leaving us. They're telling us how much they like the podcast and leaving even a little bit of helpful criticism. We view that as encouragement. So please well, that's more optimistic. We, we, uh, <laughs> we really value that. And we'll see you here next week. Every Tuesday, like and subscribe. Have a good one. See you next time. Shalom. All right. I really enjoyed that one.